the Haley Creek has our special this morning. Oh, the junior man always gets stomped on, I can tell you that. <laughs> I think that's the, peck, that's the pecking order. Uh, Brother Michael was talking a little bit about getting nervous earlier. I don't know why it's always more nerve-wracking here than it is. Some of you that saying no. However, I found one place for one man in particular plays up here, particularly. That's tougher than Promised Land Church. It's right out there in a little bit of studio on the old Crossing Highway. That man right there can't hardly control himself, Tim Stale. And I heard also another lady that plays in Heartland Quartet is the same way, Miss Barbara. Something about getting in that studio. He's more nervous than he is in this church, I can tell you, if that's possible. Tim does not like the studio. Miss Barbara doesn't either. Just something about it, I guess. We're going to do one we've been doing up here. It's been a while, not maybe too long since we've done it. Called Meeting in There. Be lifted there at that meeting in the air. 
There's gonna be a meeting in the air In a sweet, sweet by and by I'm going to meet you, meet you over there In that home beyond the sky Such singing you will hear it Never heard my mortal ear Will be glorious, I do declare And God's own son will be the leading one at that meeting going and uh, they did great as they usually do <clears throat> this uh still in our family matters series and uh when everything falls apart you can have those days and it could be anything from uh leaving something at the house forgetting something i was uh, teaching the juniors earlier and uh, miss uh Terry was out of town, also Miss Penny is out of town, and so I guess I'm third string junior teacher, and uh, so got on in there and had a good time visiting with them. I talked about just a, for a little bit, our lesson was on children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, Ephesians 6, and we were talking about, just briefly mentioned, I said, well, that's kind of headed toward the direction of my message, uh, when everything falls apart. It could be just forgetting your backpack. Uh, my birthday this past uh, Monday, we had a uh, it kind of a blessing in disguise, and that is this: that uh, we had uh, I forgot my phone, and so which was uh, not that big a deal at first. And a lot of times we uh, we wonder about <clears throat> you know we always got to have our phone with us, but it turned out to be kind of a blessing in disguise, so it wasn't. A, that thing, and then when I got back, it had went dead from all the texts and the updates and or the people uh, notifications and people saying happy birthday. So that that was a kind of a neat thing. Uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to First Samuel chapter two, and uh, we will begin with these verses. As I was preparing this, and this was kind of uh, kind of difficult. Uh, because they're so, uh, you could get bogged down in, in looking at some of these passages and some of these uh, texts. But uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning with verse 22, let's stand for the reading of God's holy word. It's difficult because there's just there's a lot of, a lot of stuff to cover here, and so we'll go ahead and get started. It says this. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. 
You make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearkened or listened not unto the voice of their father, because, which means for, the Lord would slay them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak upon your word. May we listen and learn to what your, the principles, the teachings that your word gives us concerning when everything falls apart. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And uh, thinking about when everything falls apart, just uh, things like uh, what happens whenever your family is falling apart, things like your priorities are out of whack. Chaos is ruling. You don't ever eat any meals together. If you tell your kids to put up their phone, it would be a revolt. <laughs> Teamwork is non-existence. You're sick of the word whatever. <laughs> You're tired of that word. And maybe the only member of the family who listens to you is the dog. Maybe it's gotten that bad. And uh, we're going to think about some things to think about in just a second. There's, there's a lot of indication of when things are falling apart. And there's no communication, no teamwork. When everything falls apart with a family and family matters, you know, and what we're going to do is, I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up of where we're headed the next two Sundays. And that is, uh, I dealt with kind of marriage overall, and uh, then I dealt with parenting in the home. This is going to be talking about when problems come up, when the home falls apart. Uh, next Sunday, uh, I'm going to be hitting the guys pretty heavy. I'm going to talk about being uh, a man's man, and, uh, and then wives going to be preaching to, mainly to the women, but these principles will work whether you're single or married or have no kids, just get these great principles from God's holy word. I got tickled uh, Thursday night. <clears throat> Some guys, we got together and we were up here having a little Bible study, uh, Rodney's class, and he had asked me to bring a, just a short devotion. And I titled it, uh, <clears throat> you know, Being a Man's Man. Immediately the door opened and Karen said, Michael, come here. And got up and old Darren said, well, who's the man now? And uh, I said, yeah, and I also gave her the keys. And he was on a roll that night. He, he, Darren can be real witty. And uh, sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes not. You can ask Angie later and uh, pick on him. But being a man's man, doing, doing what basically what God expects of you and what God asks you, and then also with the wives. Uh, I'll never forget the time that my dad... Uh, called me into the living room and and put me up on his knee and said um, uh, your mom and I have decided that I'm going to live somewhere else for a little while and uh, it was very strange I just I, because the big three letter word pops up why you know 
you know, and you don't understand those things. And of course, you know, that didn't, things didn't work out. And there's a lot of reasons that uh, things can fall apart. Uh, and I've said this before. You don't, really, you don't think about it from this time, spec, time aspect, but uh, like uh, I preached on this several years ago, and uh, I made Chuck all upset, Chuck Jones, and he, I said, what, what are you upset about? He said, because I realize I've only got nine more years left with Casey. And uh, I was like, I talked about putting time in perspective. He said, that's just crazy. That's crazy. Because the concrete sets up faster than you could ever dream that it sets up. And you've only got a certain amount of time. But And I said this before, that if you don't have a handle on your second grader, you can hang it up when they reach teenage years. You got to have a handle on things then. And you just got to and regroup. <laughs> regroup. You've got to. Now, if you take those books I mentioned about Kevin Lehman, you know, it says how to have a uh, family and a, a better a better teenager and a better child by Friday. Those principles will work, but it's not changing the kids. It's changing parenting. It's changing your approach to parenting is the way that book is. The book is not designed to change your kids, how to have a better kid by Friday, how to have a better teenager by Friday. There's also a great book and some great principles in there, how to have a happy family by Friday. But it's changing your approach. It's changing you. It, those are great tools that I need to point you toward because they're biblical, they're scriptural, they're bold. And a lot of people can't do them just because it takes a strong parent to do them. It takes somebody who will stand their ground. And so uh, I've seen it before, and, and parents come to me, and, and I want to try to give some good uh, advice, but you cannot fix a 16-year-old in 30 minutes, okay? But you can change your parenting. Did you know the same, this same principle holds true in your family, your husband, your wife, and at work? You cannot control even how your kids act. You say, well, I could beat them into submission. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could, you could try that. But it, the basic principle is they eventually have to decide how to act. And hopefully the discipline uh, does that. But you can control how you react. And the Bible teaches that. Because the world's going to hate you. And how Jesus, it wasn't how Jesus acted. It was how Jesus reacted to the world. And the Bible prepares you for that. It prepares you that it said, don't be surprised if the world hates you when you stand for him. The world hated Jesus first. And notice how he reacted. Not how he acted, but how he reacted. He reacted in love. And that's how we should react when other people do us wrong, treat us badly, uh, throw everything in our face. Quickly, some things that you can think about. If you want to have a happy family, it starts with being there. If you want to have a happy family, it starts with being there. Also, I need to tell you a secret. The person that kids want to spend the most time with is you. A lot of people don't realize that, and we think, well, I've got to work overtime, so I'll do this. And, but if all possible, and sometimes we'll get to some other things. You know, and a lot of times we think, well, I've worked all day. Some of the greatest talks you'll have with your kid uh, happen whenever you 
are tired. It's time for bed. But that will be some of the greatest opportunities for you and them to have a talk. Is when you're exhausted, when you're tired, and you say, okay, I know that I need to spend some time with them. And But that's usually uh, somebody, me and uh, Caleb were headed to uh, MBSF, the college ministry. They start at 9 o'clock. Imagine starting a college ministry at 9 p.m. p.m. We ended almost at 11. That's when they're going. They got classes during the day. That's when college kids are wired out, okay? Um, If your child doesn't think their opinion matters, they will reject the values you try to instill in them and shut you out out of their life. Which means this. If you refuse to listen to your kids... Chances are they won't hear anything you have to say either. It's a two-way street. Respect is earned as well as given. Okay? And many of these I'm just flying through. We could, you could stay on any of these for a while, but I've just got to move. Also, being a parent can mean sacrificing some of your goals and dreams in the meantime to do what's best for the family. And I've seen many a parent sacrifice for their kids. Now, it's not to give them something better but to give them more of you, okay? And not always, you know, now some people can juggle this, but sometimes you may have to put something on hold to spend more time with them. And that's just a principle. That's not always a rule, okay? That's a principle, okay? So let's get when everything, there's three reasons that everything falls apart and we've got to move. And that is because of neglect, because of sin, that's, uh, neglect is uh, kind of like the Bible says there's two kinds of sin. Sin you do and, do and things you should do but you don't do. That's neglect. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 4, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So if you know something good to do and you don't do it, that's sin. Well, <clears throat> we have a story here, and the story is about a dad and it sounds like we're being awfully hard on him because we're saying that uh, he neglected his sons. But if we back up to verse 12, 1 Samuel 2, 12, and, and whether you're in your Bible, these are some of these are pretty good to mark. But it says here, the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. In other words, uh, they, they hung around the prostitutes of a false church. They Not only they were lost, but they uh, were uh, corrupt priests. And so, man, these guys were in, in the Bible seems to point to Eli was a neglectful dad. He was a dad who would not discipline his sons, would not stand up to his sons, and wouldn't you say, well, <clears throat> man, it sounds like we're making a lot of presumption. Well, hang on. Let's look at the Bible and look at the verses of pres- being presumptuous. Verse 13, they, not only they were lost, they were corrupt. It says in verse 13, when the priest's custom with the people was that any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh hook was in seething with a flesh hook and three teeth in his hand, and he struck it in the pan or the kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the flesh hook brought up was the, pre- the priest took for himself. So they did that in Shiloh, and all Israelites came in thither. Okay, verse 15. Also, before the burnt, they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden the flesh of thee but raw. 
Verse 16, And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desire, then he would answer him, No, but thou should give it to me now, and if not, I will take it by force. And they were, they were corrupt. And matter of fact, verse 17, the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord. Basically, it was this. When you were a priest, and Eli was their dad, and it was passed down from the priestly generation, and uh, when the sacrifice was being offered, they took this flesh hook, and it's kind of like God took care of the preachers by everybody that brought in an offering, and you had this uh, time just rushing through this, but you could take in the offering, you took that meat hook, and slung it in there and slung it out, and, hey, a chunk of meat that it ripped off. He said, well, they weren't doing that. They were saying, where's the T-bone part? I want the filet mignon, okay? Give me the ribeye, and they were taking the choice. These two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, was the name of the two sons of Eli, and they were corrupt, they were evil, they were bad, they were just doing all this, they were sleeping around these prostitutes. I mean, basically, they was doing all this on the courthouse square. I mean, they were doing all this in front of everybody, but Eli, then, so Eli's saying, and he, he's very, notice our scripture says he's very old. We say, well, poor fella, he's very old. But that doesn't mean anything. It means he's been letting this go on all this time. He's been letting this go on for years. He never stood up to them when they were in the second grade, and now he's paying for it. This is neglect. When everything falls apart, somebody says, uh, preacher, can you fix my teenager? It took me uh, 12 years to get here, but I know you can fix it in 30 minutes, okay? No, I can't. I can give you some principles and some maybe some tips and tricks, and we can pray, and we can sit down, and we can look at God's holy word, and it's going to take all the above to change. But most of the change needs to occur with mom and dad, okay? And so this is the sin of neglect, and it goes on to say... Not only they were corrupt, but they didn't have any respect for their dad. The very last verse that I read was verse 25. It says they, in Old English, it says they hearkened not to the voice of their father. They didn't care. They had no, zero respect for Eli. You say, oh man, was it... Maybe just Eli, just he wasn't a, a strong parent. Are we too harsh? Well, then God sends a man of God. Look at verse 27. A man of God came unto Eli and said, Thus saith the Lord, did I not plainly appear to your house? In other words, you have this obligation to do what's right. And, you know, and then he says, And I chose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priests. You have a lineage, a heritage for you to be the man of God in the priestly tribe. And then it says in verse 29, the message point blank. This, this man, all the Bible says, this man of God came to Eli. And notice verse 29. Why do you kick or disrespect, disregard? You don't have any respect for, for being a preacher. Kick you at my sacrifice and at my offering which I've commanded in my habitations. And here's the thing. Here's the key to all this. What kind of dad was Eli? One that honored your sons above me. And notice this. He pointed his finger at Eli and he says, And you set the bad example. You also take the choice offerings. Eli had been doing it too. 
Eli had said not only he preferred his sons above the Lord. In other words, they're, oh, they'll be all right. They'll be okay. I know they're breaking seven of the Ten Commandments, but they'll be okay. It'll be all right. And he just swept it under the rug. But not only he was breaking the rules too. Because it says to make yourselves fat. And he was you and your sons with the offerings of the people. So everything was falling apart because of neglect. Moving on to the next uh, book, Second Samuel chapter 12. When everything falls apart because of sin. Now this story about David is a very famous one, yes. And I, and I love the way it's told by the prophet Nathan. And we're going to go there instead of chapter 11 where all the sin went down. But in chapter 12, 2 Samuel 12, everything falls apart because of sin. This, in other words, I do something. Now, Eli's sin was what? The sin of neglect. He just wouldn't face his kids. He wouldn't stand up to his kids. And matter of fact, when it came to obeying God's word or being nice to his kids, he said, I choose my kids. And I'm going to let God's word slide. I'm not going to teach them. But it started way long ago. It said it all came to head when Eli was old, it said. The Lord, I'm in Second Samuel 12, 1. The Lord sent Nathan unto David. Oh, boy. Nothing like sending a preacher to confront the king, <laughs> the king of the country. Like sending somebody up to uh, President Obama. Thou art the man, okay? You know, we need somebody to do something. I don't know. That's another sermon. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in the city, one rich, one poor. The rich man had exceeding flocks and herds. Whew. But the poor man had nothing, but he had one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, grew it up together. He had sunk all. He didn't have a whole lot, but he had a real pretty little ewe lamb. And it grew up together with him and his children. It did eat his own meat and drank his own cup. I posted on Facebook and Twitter, little girl, she loves French fries. And her just putting that sad face on. Well, guess what? This, this ewe lamb, he ate his French fries too. Okay, this little or she ate the French fries too, and I mean that's what it says right there in verse three. Drank his own cup, lay his own bosom, as to him a daughter. There came a traveler unto the rich man. He spared not take of his own flock and his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that come unto him. But this rich man said, "I'm not going to do anything with my flock. I'm going to take it from the poor man." He dressed it for that traveler. That was to come to him, verse 5. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. He said, Nathan, this story has got me hot under the collar. He was seething mad. I could just see, you know, when some people get mad and that old vein starts popping up around their neck or their forehead and David's veins is just popping up. He's all upset. I, is this story true? Is this story true? I tell you what. As the Lord liveth, the man that had done this thing shall surely die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and he had no pity. David and Nathan's probably his heart's going, boo, 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 and he just didn't even hesitate. And he might have been nervous, but he delivered the message anyway. And he said, thou art the man. Oops. David brought his own verdict against his own self. 
I anointed thee king over Israel and delivered thee out of the hand of king, out of hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house, thy master's wives, and thy bosom gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have moreover given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore, as thou despise the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight, thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword, and you took his wife to be thy wife, and thou hast slain him with the sword with the children of Amnon. And as we keep going, it says, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house. Verse 11, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. I will take thy wives before thine eyes, give them unto thy neighbors. Verse 12, For thou didst secretly, but I'm going to do this thing before all Israel. Man, before we get to verse 13, which is I call David's response, and that is this, the sin here, as I, as I like to put it, David saw Bathsheba and he continued to saw Bathsheba, okay? He was looking, whoa, and he just, and then he acted upon that lust. If you read another chapter, which I think is Second Samuel 23, it lists, and there's a couple in Chronicles also, but it lists all of David's best friends. They call them David's mighty men. Uriah was on that list. Basically, he slept with his best friend's wife. That was one of his, in the list of his best buddies. And he knew who she was. After he said, well, who is that? Well, then he found out. He knew. He knew. He made the mistake. Listen, I'm going to talk about real quick. When everything falls apart, and I preach this, folks, we thank the Lord we live in an age and a day of grace. And that is this, that when we mess up, either to neglect, a lot of people think, well, I'll just throw up my hands and quit. It's no use. It's no, it's over. I've sinned. I've messed up. Folks, you cannot change the past, but you can take your life right now and live for the Lord. You can say, I know I've messed up. And David, and this is what this story is about. He realized his mistake. It's kind of like, you know, this, you can, you're still got the consequences. You still have to go through the storm. You still have to realize, yes, I've got a price to pay, but now I can at least do it with a clean heart before God. We are recorded David's prayer, and it's a great prayer, which is Psalm 51. You can read it after church. But he had a prayer that he went out and prayed. And he wrote down that being the poet and the songwriter that he was, and he wrote down his heart. But his heart was about repentance and getting things right. Yes, I don't get to build the temple. Yes, my child and my baby dies. Yes, my children turn on each other. And he had uh, uh, one of his sons raped one of his other daughters. And his whole family's falling apart. And it's all because... He had messed up. And you think, well, my sins affect my family? That's a duh moment. Duh. And then it breaks our heart. My sins affect my family. They do. Folks, I don't care whether you've never been married or been married, been divorced, been divorced 500 times and been married 500 times. It doesn't matter. Give your life to the Lord.
and serve Him with everything you've got. Because our text says this. David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And he said, well, you're not going to die. But unfortunately, some bad things are going to happen. The consequences. Well, then finally, this lastly, there's just, I mean, basically I'm preaching three sermons in one because all of three of these could be a sermon, obviously. What about whenever your life falls apart for the glory of God? This is one of those sections in the Bible that do, this is what I call a do what? <laughs> a do what? That's kind of like, remember uh, that verse that says, in everything give thanks? So when you have a flat, give thanks? Yeah, right? Well, you could have avoided a wreck on down the road. Oh, what about this? So, and anyway, everybody head to Job chapter 1. Let's look at it real quick. Y'all doing awesome. When everything falls apart, for the glory of God. This is, uh, you've got to be kidding me, Scripture. I also call it that. You mean God wants to let bad things happen in my life, and you don't deserve any bad things happening? You're, you're reading your Bible every day. You're praying. You're praying. Morning, noon, and night, I went to the Lord. David said that, by the way. Morning, noon, and night, I went to the Lord. Man, I'm praying three times a day. I'm not just praying over breakfast. I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. I go to church, Brother Michael. Why is all of a sudden my life falling apart? And it could be because of health. It could be because of cancer. It could be because it, it, something. Did you know this? You can be a perfect parent and your, your children can still make lousy decisions. You can be a perfect parent and your kids still mess up and bring embarrassment to you. But, but folks, how it, again, it's not how you act, it's how you react. And so Job is living, a, God's bragging on Job. Job's awesome. Man, have you ever, have you noticed? And Satan comes by. He said, have you considered my servant Job? Look at uh, Job 1.6. And uh, so he said, Satan comes by. And then verse 7, the Lord said unto Satan, uh, where you been? Man, I've been over, up down the earth, you know, and what have you. The Lord knew. And uh, verse 8, the Lord said unto Satan, Has you, have you considered my servant Job? He's awesome. Fears God. Eschews, if you have a King James Bible, it just means re- turns against evil. Denies it. So he's bragging on him. Everything is going great. He says, well, the reason he serves you, verse 9, did y'all know Satan's an accuser and he'll accuse you? And he says, the reason he serves you, because verse 10, he says, you put a hedge around him and man, you blessed him with a bunch of stuff. Man, he's got a 401k that doesn't have six figures. It's got seven figures. <laughs> he's got a 401k that's great. It's rocking. He said, verse 11, he said, put forth your hand, touch all that he hath, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said unto Satan, behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Just uh, put forth not thine hand upon him. And uh, so Satan went forth into the presence of the Lord. We find out later, if you read the rest of the story, in uh, chapter 2, that also he then attacked his health but saved his life. The key to this part, part right here is verse 20. Job one twenty. 
after Job lost everything he had, including all his family, the Bible says this. Then Job arose, rent or tore his mantle, shaved his head, fell down before the Lord and worshipped. He said, Naked came out of my my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. As we get ready for a hymn of invitation, as our song leader and our musicians get ready, when everything falls apart, there's no way in a 30-minute sermon that we can come up with enough answers. I want to say this. I do know where to begin in all this. And this needs to be your prayer this morning. Lord, if my marriage needs to change, start right here with me. Don't try to change your spouse. You have to change you. Even if you say, well, they're... should start right here. That's the way it starts in marriage. It's also the way it starts in the way you got saved. It started right here. When God's Word came into your heart and you said, I am a sinner, there's something wrong. You had to realize you are, you've messed up. Same thing in a marriage, the same thing in a relationship at work or wherever. You say, when my boss is this, my boss is that, say, God, change me so that I could be the person, the servant, the husband, the wife that you want me to be. It'll be amazing what happens. Start right there in your heart. Ask God to change you. And it'll be a step in the right direction. No matter what you're facing. No matter what you're going through. And say, Lord, what do I need to do with me? You've got to work on yourself first. Everything else will come later.